Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So I see this giant angel and I asked him his name. It's a financial company and I realized this angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans and it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's over so soon. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here. Oh, it's okay. I'm fine. I miss it already. This is Wretched Radio, an entire week of you. Uh, thank you very much for sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, are you feeling a little verklempt with me? <laughs> Why is that? Because you're going to miss it? Yes. I actually do enjoy <laughs> you, here. You, I just, you just, I know you don't exist to make me happy, but you just it's so encouraging for some reason to hear from you that you would take a moment to care enough to send even a scold if you want to. It's like cool. So thank you very much. It's been a lovely week of a mailbag questions. A lovely week of sweating. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But I'm OK now because I swapped out the deodorant. Oh, yeah. Went to Costco. They don't play. They don't play with deodorant. They do antiperspirant, and it's strong, and it's a lot. So, incidentally, should anybody need some antiperspirant, I happen to have a lot of extra because I bought it at Costco. <laughs> when you, you know, see, Costco, they sell such huge packaging. How huge is, is it? The pack, yeah. <laughs> they don't have shopping carts. They have pack mules. I'm telling you. <laughs> Be suburban. Bring your own. You save. Actually, I went to a store and they don't even give you bags anymore. Oh, no, no. They charge for them now. Okay. We're building back better, I guess. Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> All right. This one is from Levi. Todd, I'm looking for book recommendations to gift young men who are graduating and embarking on their journey of manhood. Huh. Do you have any uh, books that promote bi uh, biblical manliness and provide inspiration and encouragement? <laughs> oh, there's so many. We just don't have time to list any of them because I can't really think of one. The only thing that is honestly popping to mind, and you can't put a ribbon on this, is the podcast that Greg Gifford did on the series on masculinity. It was outstanding. I don't know of a book. I have to confess, I don't know of a book, which... I would read if there were such a Jimmy. Do you know of a masculinity book that is here's the deal with masculinity. Been been pondering this a lot. And I don't know if we posted that video yet or not on masculinity. Here's the here's the trick. And yes, I am begging not in an Alistair kind of way. I am begging the question because I don't have a good recommendation for you where the confusion comes in, in my opinion is in the second category that defines masculinity. First category is physicality. 
It is your genetic makeup, chromosomes, your your even your psychology could be put in there. I like that word in this instance because secularists love that word. Men and women are just made different psychologically. You've you've got a difference in reproductive organs, your body size, hair, all that business. You got the physical stuff. Third category is the Bible. The Bible tells us how to be men. So every single verse on sanctification, well, dude, that's for you. Do those things. Become those things, the attributes. And then you can take a look at the second category, which is the area that causes the most confusion. And that is the area, the category of society. You you are informed by your zip code. How you're supposed to dress, compo- crossing your legs is 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 definitely a societally informed behavior. For instance, have you ever seen those shows? And it's 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 typically somebody who like a high fashion model. She doesn't just cross her legs at, at, at the knee. But then she wraps her ankle around the other leg. I'm trying to do it as I stand. I can't even do it. I'm not Gumby. Trying to wrap your leg around. Guys don't sit like that. Why not? Well, because we don't. Why? Because that's what a woman does. Doesn't, Doesn't say that in the Bible. Doesn't say that in your genetic makeup. It's a cultural thing. And there are gazillions of those. And that is why we need to put the Bible first. The physical stuff, you ain't changing that. So you is what you are. But the Bible informs you how you are to behave and think and believe and feel and express yourself. Then once we have those fixed and in order, Then we take a look at society and we go, okay, well, this is kind of how I fit in as this gender in this era, in this zip code. The problem is we put society first and we let the world define our emotions and our feelings and our beliefs. And that is why they're able to get away with toxic masculinity. It's funny. Have you ever heard the phrase toxic femininity? I haven't. Why don't we ever see? Okay. What's the name of the the Budweiser endorser kid? The spokes Dylan Mulvaney. Okay. Why, why doesn't anybody, I, I know this is that he's not a girl, but just let's just use him as an example. Why doesn't anybody point at him and say, that's an extreme characterization of women. That's toxic. You're you're toxically feminine. Nobody does that. Nobody sees a woman who is dressed up in a very fair way, not average, but fair, feminine way. Oh, see that toxic mask femininity. I see I did it. That toxic femininity. That's just got to go. You'd say, well, okay, maybe she's acting a little strange, but that doesn't mean you erase the category and distinctives of the feminine gender. But that's what they do with masculinity. Why? Because there are culturally informed things for genders. For instance, expectorating. You see, typically, men spit more than women. Now, does the Bible say that makes you a man? No. Does the Bible say, does, does your physicality demand that? No. 
So why is it that it's culturally acceptable for males to spit? We typically equate men with expectorating and not women. Why? Well, just the way we do. Now, there, there, there can be some reasons for that, but it's definitely a societally informed behavior. So when a woman does that, you're like, huh, wow, that's, that's weird, dude. And when a guy then does it, typically it's associated with guys. What did the feminists say about that? Oh, see, there's that toxic masculine, these guys that spit. That's toxically masculine. Cancel the entire category. No, not so fast. That's culturally informed. If we can keep those straight, I think we'll do a better job of not being influenced by the world when it comes to the issue of masculinity, for which I have absolutely no recommendations. I do. You got one? I do. You've been Googling. I I bloviated long enough. You can Google. (laughs) That's right. I haven't haven't read it, but Biblical Manhood, Masculinity, Leadership, and Decision Making by Stuart Scott. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. Yep. That'll be good. Stuuart Scott's a good one. Uh The Biblical Counselor. He's out of... Well, he wasn't Masters U. I don't know if he's still there or not. But regardless, that's a good one right there. Yeah. Give me your second one. <laughs> oh. See, I stopped oh, at one. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Please send questions, comments. That would be a good book. Seriously. Yeah, I think I'd actually so. like, I'd like to read that is what I'd like. Not that I need it or anything. <laughs> Idea. At, okay. Just for yucks. Let's, let's just play with this. Voice. Now, that's a physical thing because typically men have lower voices. So what do you automatically assume if a guy has a higher voice? It's kind of feminine, isn't it? And in a sense, it is. But does that make him a girl or even girly? And the answer is no, because there's ranges of some physical attributes. It's like saying that women have no muscles at all because guys have more we we are informed so much by society we're even we can even be deceived by physicality if you've got a higher voice um so what don't don't stress about that that is not what makes you a man we go to the bible first to learn how to be men the way that god defines them how then they are expressed physically and how they are expressed societally that can vary Now, society is far less fixed. Physicality, there's ranges of that. If you happen to be a guy and you're super, you're just one of those guys that is ripped. You you just, you pick up a pencil and you put on more muscle. You're not more of a man than, say, Jimmy. You're welcome. You're welcome, brother. You were just sitting there minding your business, weren't you? That doesn't make you a man. No. It means that you have a larger amount of what is typically a masculine physical attribute, but that is not what makes you a man. Similarly, if you're the one who gets sand kicked in your face because you're scrawny, I can relate to that. Doesn't make you a girl. What does? Yes, there are some fixed physical attributes, but it is God who defines what is masculine. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, 
we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Know your reformers. Ulrich Zwingli was a Swiss reformer who pioneered expository preaching, introduced the regulative principle, and brought a republican government to Switzerland. He fought against the Roman Catholic Church for theological and political independence and died in battle. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Making great time here. This is Wretched Radio. Dipping into the mailbag for the last day this week. We'll return to mailbag, of course, next Friday. But it's been a loverly week of listening to your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. Send to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, Try not to interrupt this time so we can cover more ground, if you'd okay. be so kind. Okay. All right. This one is from Ben. Uh, Todd, I was baptized in an informal setting and feel, felt hurt by the lack of significance given to the event. Now, as I prepare to graduate high school and head off to college, I'm considering being baptized again in a more formal and respectful church. I want to honor God, but don't want to make a decision solely based on hurt feelings. What are your thoughts? Imagine... You have a delicious steak, 
and you eat it off of a paper plate with plastic utensils. Did you eat a steak? Yes. You could have that same piece of meat put onto some fancy china with silverware, but it's still a steak. And the same thing is true with baptism. It has no bearing on the efficacy of your baptism based on the surroundings, based on the attitude of people. And even who done it to you doesn't make any difference. It was an, a public act before men telling the world, I have been buried with Christ. I am dead to self. I am alive in my Savior. It is a public testimony. It is the act itself that is what made it a baptism, not the surroundings. And I, I, th- I think that illustration makes the point, but just in order to push it to the limits. So let's just say you get baptized in a very formal setting. The the cleric is wearing a robe. They're even swinging the incense, stained glass windows, and everybody's very austere. And you get baptized. Versus you're in the middle of a circus. You're You're in the second of the three rings, and a clown baptizes you, and everybody's goofing around eating cotton candy. Doesn't make any difference. It is the act itself that is pleasing to God, not the surroundings. So I don't think, in fact, I would say to you, you shouldn't get baptized again. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Kadif. Todd, I have no friends, uh, people I can share my life with on a deep level. I've tried to be for so I've tried to be that for someone else and uh, what I want them to be for me. Uh, but I, I still have trouble building relationships even in the church. I feel lonely, hurt, and discouraged. Mm. So is it better to find my ultimate solace in Christ and not worry too much over not having reliable friends? There could be a million scenarios that that I think could be captured underneath understanding that we are both active and passive, that we are both fully reliant and yet responsible. And this would be one of those situations. First and foremost, your complete satisfaction should be found in Christ. Now, does that mean, therefore, you can sit in a cave and never feel lonely? No, you can do both. Find your satisfaction in Christ. Work on that primarily, and then you can go to work on having relationships it doesn't mean because our primary that our that we are fully satisfied in Christ that we don't get married that we don't have kids that we don't have friends that that it's not an either or scenario it's a both and there should just be a priority and the priority is our relationship with the Lord and then seek the things that you desire with the right perspective I don't need these friends but it would be nice so I'd like to cultivate those and I would encourage you Stay at it in your church. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what type of church or type of people you're dealing with. But if you're ever going to be able to make heart friends, it's in your church. Can you make pals if you join a dart club? Sure. But the center of your relationship is going to be a smushy board with some pointy objects that you throw at it. That's that's going to be what brings you together. So you can have those relationships. And I'm not saying that you can't or even shouldn't. But if you want a profound relationship, it should be with a Christ one where the centerpiece of your relationship is Christ. Those are going to be your best friends. In fact, just for yucks, Jimmy, do a little cataloging of your life. 
Think back about the people that you've known mm-hmm. and how many friends that have endured that were not saved that you, you, you for instance, you worked with at your old station. Mm-hmm. Okay. Versus Christians in your life. Yeah. Those have been the, 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 the people that I've shared the most um, intimate relationships with and that still last to this day. And you're probably more inclined to be in touch with them. Every and, day. And vice versa. Yeah. Truly, it would think back on your life. All of the individuals that you met that weren't Christians, they they still pursuing a friendship with you? Probably. My my. Okay, all I can say is subjectively, I I can't think of those people in my life. But Christian brothers and sisters, it's just been lifelong. Pursue those. Make have dartboard friends if you want, but pursue. Christ-like friends and send stuff to idea at wretched.org. Okay, this is from Jake. Todd, some believe it is sinful for churches to sing songs from Hillsong, Elevation, and Bethel. And in light mm-hmm. in light of this, mm-hmm. would it also be That was unfair. Why? I was drinking from my Jimmy Hicks endorsed circle water when I wanted to jump in. Give me an endorsement there, Todd. Mm. Can I spit take? <laughs> yeah. So uh, some believe it's simple for churches to sing songs from Elevation, Hillsong, and Bethel. Mm-hmm. In light of this, would it also be considered sinful for individuals to sing those songs? Like alone in the car individually, if, if, if my perspective is correct, that it is at the least unwise to sing songs that were written by people who are known to be in a false system. If if at the least we would say it's unwise and potentially even, I do believe the word that Mr. Hicks used was sinful. There wouldn't be a distinction between corporate and individual. E- e- either it is a really bad idea all the way to sinful idea to sing along with songs that have been written by churches that are outside of orthodoxy. It doesn't matter if three people sing along, 10 people, one, it doesn't make any difference. So my encouragement is to run from the line. Perhaps this illustration works for you. It does for me. If there were a song, that would be, well, it's a worship song, but it's not overtly heretical. Okay, I can think of one. Jimmy, well, uh, that's uh, uh, George Harrison. Remember when he, supposedly he got saved near the end of his life, but wasn't he into the Baha'i, Hare Krishna stuff? Uh, yeah. And he had a song called My Sweet Lord. I really want to see you. I really want to be in you. I really want, whatever. Okay, he wasn't singing about Jesus. Now you could say, well, there's nothing wrong in the song. Right, but the dude is singing about Krishna. I don't want anything to do with that. That is my point. Why do I want to even come close to partnering? Why do I even want to come close to fellowshipping? Why do I want to come close to being led in worship by somebody I know to be outside of orthodoxy? So whether it's corporate, whether it's in your car, I would just change the channel. And then I would send ideas, stories, sermons, articles, anything to idea at wretched.org. Todd, uh, this is from Josiah. Todd, I am in college and will be staying with three other Christian guys next semester and was wondering what would be some good ground rules or things to set in place that uh, would help us continue, that would allow us to help each other pursue righteousness? Um, I'm sorry, Josiah. I'm really sorry to have to ask, but (laughs) you sure they're all dudes? Because was it Wyoming or Montana? I think Montana. Was that where it was? 
where the sorority house and the guy was in the sorority house. Did you see the picture? Uh, it's all the, these these young women in college, and it must have been a special night. They're all wearing black dresses, so looking very formal. And then this big dude is standing there and some, I, I don't know, he was kind of covered up by the women. And it's like, can we tell who doesn't quite fit into the sorority house? Mm-hmm. You're going to live with a bunch of guys. You can help each other. And I would say this, if you are not making an active effort to try to grow in sanctification, not just not sin, but to grow in sanctification, you will sin and you'll go backwards. Sin is never static. It just never, never is satisfied. It's always going to want more. So if you're not making ground, you're going to be losing ground. So I'm going to trust that these guys are Christians. I would sit down with them in the beginning and say, fellas, if we're really going to be serious about our faith and not find ourselves as so many guys that are in a frat house or they just live together on a university campus, we all know what that looks like. Are we going to be serious about godliness? All right, then let's come up with a list of things that we're going to hold each other accountable for. We're going to go to church on Sunday. That's just non-negotiable. And if somebody doesn't, they they get waterboarded, you know, in Christian love. Porn. We got to keep it out of this house. Anytime somebody says, let me see your phone, you give it up and they can check your history and make a list of those things and be serious about it. And finally, I would say this. You need to join a local church. You say, I am a member of a local church at home. That's fine. Get a dual membership. Your pastor will not mind. Find yourself a Bible church. All of you join it because then you're going to have more accountability than just the other three fellas. You will have an entire body of believers who are going to keep an eye on you. This goes for anybody. Sing, you're living with four, 14 or by yourself at university. Become a member of a local church. And when you're driving to that church, whether you've got 10 people smashed into your car or you're alone, do not sing Hillsong. This is Wretched Radio. Mexican. Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation. And He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. In light of the X. Sorry, I was just mimicking what you're about to hear. This is Wretched Radio in light of the email sent from Josiah asking the question we should all be asking. How do I come up with a battle plan so I don't sin? You better have one because I got to tell you, if you've forgotten how tricky, sneaky and voracious sin is. Some might say I'm only interested in the big things, but that's not the case at all. I love the little white lie. I encourage the second glance at that girl. I hope you take that extra drink. One little compromise. Sometimes that's all I need. I am sin. Sin, don't play. Just come on. Just a little, just stay a little longer. Just glance for another moment. She can't even see you. Her back is turned. Just go ahead. Linger. 
And the next thing you know, you are doing things you never imagined. The younger you are, the quicker I pounce. And the older you get, the more tricks I've got. The more naive you stay, the easier I ensnare. And the wiser you are, the more sly I become. The stronger you get, the more I attack. I am sin. Whether you're naive or you're mature, sin does not relent. It just keeps trying different methods, different tactics, and it's had an awful long time to perfect its craft. So make sure that if you're growing in godliness, thumbs up, that's a good thing, but don't let your guard down because it'll find a way to get in. In fact, I would tell you, if you are if you are now not doing the things you once did to defend yourself against sin, you're already vulnerable. I'm not always easy to see, but that doesn't mean I'm not always around. I'm around every corner, I'm at your home, I'll be at your work, I'm even at your church. You don't have to look for me because I'll find you. <laughs> I am sin. What's your bet? <clears throat> Sorry, once again. What is your battle plan? And I got to tell you, the effects on this are pretty good. Yeah. This is a, this is a reminder that music speaks without lyrics. It has. This is communicating something. They didn't do something that makes it sound like Julie Andrews is running through a meadow on a mountain. You can't tell nobody about me. Besides, we got a good thing going. You trapped. Nowhere to go and no one to turn to. You actually think people could forgive you? (laughs) Don't worry, your secret's safe with me. I am sin. Because remember, everything that happens in Vegas is going to be brought into the light and judged by God. Don't mess with sin just because you don't think nobody at home going to hear about it. I sound good. I smell good. And I look good. Just when you think you've had enough of me, I draw you back in. Think you can break free from me? Don't be so sure. I insist. Put your guard down at your own risk. And if that isn't enough to encourage you to battle sin, well, prepare for a complete 180. That's right. You're going to get whiplash. Jimmy, do you have an explanation for why this additional file is in my I am sin folder? I do not. Tis, tis a bit of a mystery why I'm pretty sure this is Bill Hybels. This clip, I don't. I'm just telling you because I have no filter and I have to because there it is. I've got two F's in my I am sin folder and I know what it is. I'm pretty certain it's Bill Hybels. If you remember his church, Brooke. Willow Creek Community Church. That's the, you know, if you'd let me finish, I I, would have said that. There's a brook outside of Willow Creek Community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that (laughs) one right there. They did a big survey about the maturity of their people. And a lot of people who are going to this premier seeker-sensitive church said, we'd like more theology, please. We've had enough milk. Thank you. Could we have a little meat? And Bill Hybels revealed the results of that survey. 
And he let those people know. I'll hire some old seminary prof. I'll feed them till they barf. Cool. Please send questions, comments, connect. Pastor Hybels right there. <laughs> till they barf right there. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This is from Ian. Todd, I'm a 17-year-old, and I have struggled with honoring my parents, mm. especially when they insist on me taking antidepressant medication oh, rough. despite finding joy in Christ. Ah. The medication has physical side effects leading to arguments. This is, um, this, this is, this is a trick here. Um, I'm, I'm going to suggest a couple of things. This is pretty uh, tricky territory that we are about to tread lightly on. Number one, can you talk to your elders at church about this? You're, you, you, it's very likely you could use their support. That's why they're there. They want to help you. So you're not, you're not betraying your parents. Now, if you go to them and it's like, my stupid parents, they... Okay, sin. But if you go and say, I, I'm having this struggle at home. Here it is. Could you please help me with this? Give me some wisdom. That would be step number one. Step number two, this is going to sound a little bit odd, but I'd like to encourage you to use this opportunity to resolve the conflicts that have heretofore been the causes for the consternation in your home. Stop doing whatever it is that they say is is bugging them about you. Don't do that. Or if you're not doing the things that they would like you to do that, of course, aren't sin, do those things. Be a super daughter. Be amazing. And you will be building up a bank. You'll have an account now with your parents where you can sit down with them and say, Mom and Dad, can we please talk about the medication now, if you're currently on medication, incidentally, don't make any changes with either, even with an elder's advice or anything that I'm saying. Don't construe it to say you need to get off of it. That that might be very bad idea. Even if that is the route that you end up taking, and getting off of meds lickety split oftentimes has side effects and repercussions. You don't want that. So don't do anything medical-wise without a medical professional's advice. You could sit down with your parents and say, this is how they make me feel, mom and dad. And I want to I want to go to work on this. And I think I'll be in a better daughter because of it. Because instead of just masking it with medication, I, I want to work to overcome it, and I'd love your help in that and see if together, lovingly, you can work your way through it. And if you are doing the aforementioned things I, I and praying like a nobody's business, I, I, most times with most issues, and I'm not just talking about medication, if you're a child living underneath your parents' roof, you have no idea how much power you have. Now, you don't have the classic type of royal power where you can decree, Parents, I prefer you cease. No, I demand you cease and desist. Encouraging me, demanding that I take psychotropic. You don't, you don't have that. But by your behavior, by your godliness, we see this with the woman that Peter describes, who is married to an unbeliever. What should she do? Be an amazing wife. And she's preaching to them. 
and it affects their hearts and they oftentimes get saved. And the same thing is true with a young person living in their parents' domicile. You have power by being godly. I know this word isn't popular, but by submitting to their authority. Now, of course, remember, not if they command you to sin or forbid you from obeying a command, but you submit to them. You do the chores that they ask. If they want you to make your bed a certain way and you, what? What's what's the point of that? Your dad was in the military and he wants you to, then make it that way. And then your dad isn't going to be crabby. And then you're going to be able to have conversations. And they're maybe not going to be so quick to just snap at you because they're not perpetually agitated at you. Is it a longer haul? Yes. Is it a harder road? Definitely. But look what's happening to you. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is a tricky verse, but it's so packed with meat for us in James 1. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That means by not being angry, you're producing righteousness. Now, I can fill in anger. I can cross out that word and substitute it with disobedience. Disobedience does not produce the righteousness of God, but be obedient and you're going to be becoming more righteous. So there's an upside to this. And if you hear this and you go, all righty then, I'm going to be a really good kid for six weeks and I'll be able to bend my parents like a strong man bends a aluminum bar that he told the audience was steel. That's not the right motivation. But if you desire godliness and you desire peace in your home, you have the means within your reach to accomplish that goal. And the upside, you, my young friend, are going to look more like Jesus Christ no matter how your parents respond. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two. Would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Ratchet Radio today. Yeah, you, I'm talking to you. I know you care about making a difference in the world. And you know what? You already have. Your generosity has helped us to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. But here's the thing. We need your help to continue standing firm and reaching even more people. We would love for you to prayerfully consider joining us as a monthly ongoing Wretched Gospel partner. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead or anything like that and make this real uncomfortable. But what I am going to do is remind you that Philippians 4.1 tells us to stand firm in the Lord. And that's exactly what we're doing at Ratchet. We're standing firm in the Lord by sharing his love with the world. And we want you to stand with us. So what do you say? You want to join us in this mission? I promise you it will be worth it. And who knows? You might even get a crown or two out of it. Thank you for considering becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner. You can find out more at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. 
amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Hermeneutics A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is poetry. Poetry relies on imaginative and figurative language to expand on a theme, examine emotions, and reflect on who God is and what He has done. God's timeless truth is written down by biographers and artists alike. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, what do we have in here? This is Wretched Radio. That's the number of the old toll free. You can call, leave a message. Jimmy grabs it and he won't edit it if you are pithy. He won't have to beep you out if you don't. Use a profanity, my pagan friend. And hopefully there won't be any more Bill Hybels clips inside of here. I have no idea. one 282 Hey, Todd, Jimmy, uh, I got a question. If, if David, when he repented of uh, the sin of murder and adultery by having Uriah killed and uh, sleeping with Bathsheba, if he repented of that, then did he still have multiple wives and concubines after that situation? Because it seems like he did. There's no sign of saying that he didn't. And wouldn't that still be considered living in sin? Wouldn't that still, by today's standards, they would say, well, that was biblical times, but, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, it is polygamy. And wouldn't the people today use that argument to try to say, well, David had multiple wives. So, so we can do. You know, why can't we have multiple wives? I just always thought that he was still living in sin by doing that, but uh, I, I may be wrong. Yeah, you, you could be right about that. Did you hear that polyamory and polygamy is on the uptick? The New York Times, do you remember that article? I think we talked about it here on the radio show. Talked about the places where you can go in Massachusetts outside of Boston where they've got f- laws that are favorable to people who want to have multiples. <sighs> I am so relieved. I have to. Here's the good news of that story, that the slope hasn't actually slipped like we said it would. Aren't you glad that when we said, oh, if you make that legal, the next thing you know, polygamy. And then, well, what is the thing called these days with children, uh, with uh, minor attracted persons? Maps. Yeah, maps. Maps. That's the, yeah, we used to call those pedophiles. Why not bestiality? Hold on a second. Who is that? Bestiality. 
Knocking on the door next was David, an example of a man who was a polygamist, who therefore gives an historical example that does not appear to be condemned in the text on David to say, I can have multiples. No, here's why. In the beginning, God created a man and a woman. Hey, women. <laughs> I think I just kind of blew my entire story here. Now, one man and one woman. Now, that's a bad mistake to make when you're trying to make the point that it was just a woman. And I said, okay, one man, one woman. There it is. One flesh. God didn't create multiple women. He only took one rib, one woman. Furthermore, we have the commandment to kings. They were only to have one wife. David was living in sin. Now, so was Solomon, by the way. So what they were doing was sinful. I do not like any sort of trying to couch or to justify their behavior. And yet, you do need to note that these types of marriages, if you will, there was a political expediency about almost all of them. There, there was a royal aspect to it, a relational aspect to it with other nations where it is, it is possible that David had all of those women, but he was not sharing the marital bed with them. Having said that, because we just want to paint the whole picture here, it was still wrong because he was told one wife, the end. He was living in sin. So, no, David is not an example of a man who was endorsed by God as being a, a really good polygamist. You okay with that, Jimmy? Yeah, I think so. You look like you wanted to say something. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I oh, didn't. Yes, you did look like it. When you put your mouth on the microphone, it's usually the telltale oh. sign you got something you want to say. I was leaning Make forward. something up. Do what I do. <laughs> Just out of thin air. one 282 Hey, Mr. Frill. I was just calling to make my comment on the Babylon B skit. I don't think it crossed the line mm-hmm. because it was aimed at the ridiculousness of people's claims that his body was stolen, not at the actual crucifixion. I think that that was 100% appropriate and actually kind of made some jokes about how ridiculous that sounds. You know why I agree with you, sir? Because that would mean Jimmy was wrong. That's exactly what it means. (laughs) (laughs) I, I could see both sides. I, I, I don't I don't want to be a third way kind of guy, but Jimmy, I get it. Why you would say, you know what, that crossed the line into blasphemy. I can also see a Christian defense that this was weeks ago. Dude, what have you been waiting for with the phone call? The line always works, you know. This was, it was, um, I like Peter with the disciples. Jesus had been crucified and he's rolling out the plan that we're going to lie and say that Jesus rose from the dead. And all of the, the disciples, they high-five each other. And then one of them has the sense to say, wait a second, um, couldn't that cause a little trouble? Well, yeah, but, you know, just think about what we're going to get out of this. Well, what are we going to get out of this? Well, you know, like stonings, crucified upside down. It was satire. Jimmy said, I found it offensive. I, I did not. You did too. And I didn't call Don't it. Don't make me roll the tape. I, I didn't call it blasphemous. What I said was I wouldn't do it. That's all I said. No, you said it crossed the line. I asked, did that cross the line into blasphemy? And you said, I wouldn't do it. That's, <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> that's a political answer. This is there. There's something to be learned from this. 
two different Christians can look at something and have a different response. And I wouldn't call the fellow who called in a bad Christian or a sinner. And I wouldn't call. No, actually, I would. <laughs> I would have to call. I know him. So, yes, he's a bad sinner. But the point, I wouldn't say that he's not a Christian or that, oh, how terrible of him. And there are so many things that are like this in Christendom. And there is an allowance for this in the body. And this would even be one of those levels of disagreements that you would just ignore. Uh, that you would just say, you know what? I Okay, Jimmy, uh, whatever, dude. No, dude, by the way, the man who called in, I don't know why I'm duding everybody. The word dude, it really needs to stop unless I use it. It is just being used way too much. My daughter called me dude the other day and I went, um... I'm sure that that was just a little vowel slip. You meant dad, <laughs> father, preferably, because that's more biblical, I guess. So this fellow who called in to disagree, talk about it and what have you, I, I, I see he, it was satire to make a point not mock the resurrection. But Jimmy, you felt you wouldn't do it because it was just irreverent. Right. How's that? Irreverent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. These are two Christians who can get along just fine, right? Aren't there a number of things like this we are just called to overlook? Doesn't love overlook a multitude of sins? D-O-Double-D, uh, I was wondering if you could speak to, <laughs> is there a difference between annoyance with someone and hatred towards someone? Uh-huh. On the surface, I think we'd say yes, but... When you've witnessed, you've said, have you ever been annoyed with someone when they cut you off? Ah, well, that's murder of the heart. Yeah, right. It's always been hard for me. This is my feelings, but I feel like what? just when you're annoyed with someone, is that murder of the heart? I mean, Jesus himself said this about his disciples. How long must I put up with you? I'm just wondering if you could speak to that because I feel like there's a difference, but maybe I'm just trying to excuse myself. Let me use the Bible verse you quoted. Yeah, he did seem, let's just say, a little exasperated. And we know he wasn't sinning. And that is because there can be degrees of annoyance, like any emotion, any emotion. Exasperation can be sinful or not. Annoyance can be sinful or not. Anger can be sinful or not. Love can be sinful or not. Lust can be sinful or not. What? How can, if, if you have desires for your spouse, you can do that but not for somebody else. Every single emotion feeling, I cannot think of one yet. That doesn't have a both and. It, it can be, or it doesn't have to be, because it's an emotion and it depends on the heart. And so when I say to somebody, when I'm witnessing to them, when you're driving down the street and you get annoyed at somebody who's driving, okay, maybe I'm a little too assumptive and I could be a bit more descriptive. I'm not imagining that they're driving to work. Somebody cuts them off and they say, Oh, well, that was rather, it was so annoying, those people <laughs> cut me off like that. Hmm. Anyway, back to Caleb. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's the, re- hey, you're, you're annoying me with your, that's what, that's what I meant. So you are absolutely right, sir. Not every annoyance is sinful. We do have to watch it, though. When I'm when when anytime you've got a an emotional reflux where it you know it starts to bubble up, it might be okay. Remember, be angry but do not sin. There's a classic example. 
You can be angry. There are times you should be angry, righteously, because God has been offended. But do not sin because you've taken it personally. You're you're offended because you think you're better than that. We've got to be careful. If, if you have got any sort of emotional gird, only your heart can determine if it's sinful or not. Not an easy call to make, is it? Until tomorrow, go serve your king.